The Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Rain is continuing across the Midwest. Some much-needed moisture now hitting parts of Kansas, which is great news for our Kansas wheat growers. We're getting rain here, and my understanding, it's moving eastward. So to our listeners in Wisconsin, I know it's sunny there today, but hopefully that rain hits you shortly. With saying that, how much of this weather is having an effect on what we're seeing in the market trade? We saw some higher numbers in the grain complex, and if I I'll switch my screen here real quick, it was a mixed, no, actually pretty higher market in the livestock. Only the milk saw some negativity. So wrapping this all in a perfect bow today is going to be Mike Zuzalo. He is with Global Commodity Analytics. And let's look at what's happening in the markets. First, I did want to ask you about the weather. How much is this rain in the Midwest playing a toll on what we're seeing in the trade today? I think quite a bit, Susan. I think we've moved this market now from a buy-the-dip type psychology to a sell-the-rally psychology more uh, than we've seen in the past three or four months. I'm not sure whether we're ready at this point as a trade, as a futures market, to sound the all-clear as far as the La Nina Bowl not being able to get up off the last hit that he took with this last big system that went through. I think that probably will come uh, after the grain stocks and acreage report because it seems like that's going to be maybe one of the biggest moving uh, reports. Those two reports probably one of the biggest moving features to this market uh, that we've seen probably in the last several years. And I say that because of what we're dealing with in South America and what we're dealing with with this weather that we're, you're asking about. I, I think these two big things that you and I have talked about on the Fontenelle Final Bell before have been the La Nina Bull buying into the grain sector and the reflation bull buying into the commodity sector with grains, uh, one of the key areas that they've also pursued because of the tight supplies. And I think these two areas, these two primary areas of long positions that we've had the past four or five months are now starting to be more of a headwind. We see that in the gold price. We see that in the silver price. Uh, we see that with the crude oil market today, just today dropping over 6% in New York. Part of that is because of the Europeans locking back down due to COVID and the trade finally starting to wonder how fast can we come out of this uh, pandemic uh, with the global economy and that recovery in the global economy. But the other part of that goes back to the dollar and the fact that we're once again challenging some really key technical resistance levels in the dollar and the dollar uh, ruble and the dollar yen. And so some of these emerging market currencies that have been helping us with the funds and this reflationary trade, they're not looking as good as they did three months ago. So I'm talking to clients and subscribers in the grain sector right now, especially about the idea of, you know, February was going to be a key month um, of, of getting up to levels that we needed to get to. We did that. March was going to be a key month of staying dry because then that would have set us up for a dry April. And that would have, I think, really propelled the La Nina Bowl and, and given us higher highs from what we saw in January, February. I think we're going to have to walk back that some at this stage. You talk about that. And that kind of I mean, we obviously saw some higher dollar trade today and big influence on these outside markets. It's going to be nearly everything after we secure our crop supply here and we also know what South America's crop is going to be. These are two major supply-demand uncertainties that can override the outside markets. But if you're looking for a 2012-type price action, and I'll be even more specific, if you're looking for December corn to go from 470 
to 550 where the May corn is right now or 574 where we got up to in the March corn back in the month of January. If you're looking for the November beans to go from 1225 up to 1420 where the May sits right now or gets up to that 460, 70 area that we got to back in February, you'd really need the outside markets to do that unless we have just an outright terrible drought here like 2012. Well, that's no way to really market as far as, you know, pursuing that type of price objective based upon just one feature, i.e. Mother Nature. You talk about that not being one way to market, but we know guys keep track of that and they, they remember what 2012 was like marketing into 2013. Do you think that might be a little bit of jaded feel as we look at, at 2021? Yeah, I do, and I think obviously, and I sympathize with this because I lived through it as well, and you did too. These last four or five years, we could all say prices were too low in the grain complex and the meat complex for a lesser degree. We had spikes in cattle and hogs, but if you look at the last five years, we've been you know subpar in terms of price action and profitability. So I, I too, would like to be able to make up the last five years with a big home run in 2021. But I I really, after doing this for 26 years, I really don't think that is a good way to go about it. In fact, I had a really good conversation with a client back east today who just decided he just it was it was his time to decide to get some beans hedged. And he wanted to do a good number uh, because he got his crop insurance laid out. He knows his February base price and he's got these extend Roundup Ready 2 beans that have been really performing well for him the last two or three years and so he said I'm really ready to pull the trigger and and just me just to let you know I'm at 55 percent sold on expected production for 2021 with 25 percent bought back and some May bean call verticals and for clients and that's a general recommendation um, this client had not gotten up to that level and in fact he wanted to go harder than that and he said I think I want to go about 75 percent sold at this stage because I just don't see a drought anymore and I was really hoping for a drought to get me to that next level. So what he decided to do was just let go on an HTA, a good chunk of his new crop beans, and then just came back and bought a $13 bean call on November contract, sold a $15 bean call for about $0.30 net cost, $0.35 net cost, but he has $2 upside for the rest of the summer and going into the fall. I think there's, at this point in the game, Susan, there's nothing wrong with a strategy like that. In fact, I think there's everything right with a strategy like that because he's secured almost $700 plus an acre, and he's got re-ownership all the way to $15 in new crop beans. Some things to think about. Stick around, folks. We'll be back. More is coming up on the Fontenelle Final Bell. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We're continuing this conversation with Mike Zuzalo. He's with Global Commodity Analytics. And we left kind of talking about uh, how we were going to market going into 2021 as planters get ready in many parts of the country to roll. And that kind of leads into we've got a planning intentions report that literally is just around the corner, Mike. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up, Susan, because I think we're going into it without a lot of thought to it. In other words, I think the trade is really still in the mindset of a very small bean acreage number and a very large corn acreage number. And I think the IHS market numbers that came out, I believe just yesterday, they pushed the corn acreage number up above, I think it was right around uh, 94.3 million. That's going to be about 2.3 million more than USDA's figure. 
So that's going to be about 2.1 million more harvested than USDA. If you multiply that by that 179.5 yield from USDA, you're talking about 375 million more bushels than what the trade is thinking from the USDA numbers from the Ag Forum. Well, that all of a sudden gets you up towards a 2 billion bushel carryover again. I think the trade's more or less taking that at face value and these bigger corn acreage numbers at face value because if you do look at the corn uh, ratio and, and the bean corn ratio against the new crop, you've got November beans trading at a 2.6 premium, 2.6 times the price of December corn. I think that's out of whack. And, and, and what I mean by that is unless USDA comes in with that kind of a big 94 million acreage uh, base for the corn, I think the corn needs to gain on the beans at this stage on new crop. And I say that especially since we've seen such a pickup in the export market. And the ethanol numbers have really surprised me to the upside. And last time we talked, I was very nervous about ethanol. I still am, but it's been pushed back because of this rally in the crude oil market and the unleaded gas market. It's really given the ethanol a new demand wave that we've been able to take advantage of. So my basic point to producers and, and, uh, and ranchers, and this is where the feed side of the equation comes in, because December corn is, after all, at 460, and that's quite a bit a ways away from a $5 bill. Um, but my my basic point is, is if we can sustain November beans at 1225 to 1250, December corn should get towards that $5 level and be closer to a 2.5 ratio. You know, and it's hard to believe when you look at the the picture as we head into, you know, wrapping up March into April, we are a week and a half away from the first um, weekly crop progress report coming uh, from NAS. And, and looking at those numbers, we've got the planning intentions report. And still in the back of their minds is this corn versus bean acreage dilemma that's going to happen throughout the Midwest, not knowing what this weather is going to do. No, that's exactly right, and I think what you what I had expected if we would have stayed dry in the hard red wheat belt would have been a lot of acres torn up and pushed into oil seeds, whether it would have been sunflowers or soybeans uh, at the expense of ripping up hard red wheat acres. I don't have to worry about that hardly at all at this stage because of the drastic change at just the right time for the hard red wheat belt. So here again, going back to our previous conversation, it's really important to remember what got us to this point, what can get us to that next level higher. Wheat has to play, in my opinion, a very big role uh, for all, all, both corn and beans uh, to go higher uh, during the, the summer time period. It really does tend to start with wheat, or at the very least, wheat does support. And I'm, I'm hoping that what we saw after, after today's trade, the soft red wheat had about 50 to 60% more volume uh, in some cases. Some cases it had 80% more volume. Uh, based upon what we did yesterday uh, in terms of price action and the, the number of uh, contracts traded. I'm hoping that the soft red wheat has made a low. I, I'm suggesting that to the clients tonight on my updates because of what's happening in Australia. It does look like to me that there's some issues with Australia's flooding in New South Wales that maybe will mess up their infrastructure and maybe take some premium out of the Australian crop and push it over into Europe. If Europe bottoms here, I think the soft red wheat market probably has found a low. Then maybe the corn can find some support off the wheat as well. Let's switch gears, Mike, and head over to the livestock side. Can cattle keep this momentum going this week? I don't think so. I think what we've seen is that the cattle hog spread has narrowed to levels not seen since 2018, 2019. We're down to lead month cattle being $22.5 premium to lead month hogs. And so cattle are discount in the futures market to the hogs. 
um, feeders our discount to the fats to the tune of a one almost a one year low. We've we've got feeders only sixteen dollars premium to the fat cattle. So the problem seems to me, Susan, to be the cash cattle market not allowing the fat cattle market to go, and the feeder cattle market maybe being a little bit too spicy. Uh, in the futures market as well against the cash. So the bottom lining it out is our supplies are coming down nicely. We don't need to go down, but how do we get that cash cattle market to go up to meet the futures market? And I think we've got it set up in the hogs. We can do it, but the feeder cattle just have to uh, have to pour it on here and find some support and some short covering. I think that's possible here in the next couple weeks. It's the best way for folks to get a hold of you. Best way is to go to website, globalcomresearch.com, take a look at the welcome video, take a look at our product services, and sign up for a free trial. That's globalcom with two M's, research.com. And that's the Fontenelle Final Bell. Reminder, commodity futures and options involve substantial risk of loss are not suitable for all investors. Listening to the Rural Radio Network.